normally I get to take a break at this moment and uh, don't take a nap, but I take a break normally <laughs> about this time. Today's message is more of a testimony than a real sermon. I've been asked to share about God's call in my life and about the strong, the long tenure that I've been able, uh, been blessed to have here at HRBC. To borrow words from Fanny Crosby, one of the most prolific hymn writers in history, this is my story. This is my song. Let us pray together. God, you are the beginning, the center, and the future of my story, of all of our stories. Please help me to get out of the way today and let the words I speak be true of your presence, your calling, and your continued guidance throughout my life. And by sharing these words today, may you be glorified and may those who hear be inspired to grow and bloom wherever they are. In your love, amen. In my life growing up, there was always music. Our family would gather, we would eat, and then we would sing. That's just how it worked. My dad played guitar, bass, and mandolin. Uh, several uncles played guitars, and we would all get together. I think the neighbors could hear us singing down the street. My dad played in several bands, um, country bands, bluegrass bands, and um, gospel groups. And when local, when um, country music stars would come to town, they would use local pickup bands. And so my dad actually got to play for Porter Wagner and Dolly Parton in the early years. And then when he was commissioned on a ship in the Navy, he got to play for Louis Armstrong and Pearl Bailey. Um, and so music was always a part of my life. We lived about two blocks from our church. And so we walked to church. And it was, it was very easy, just straight down the street. And you could see the church from our house. And uh, so we walked there. And we were there every Sunday morning for Sunday school and Sunday uh, for worship in the afternoon for choirs and church training and missions friends and all the things growing up that we did in church back in those days and Sunday evening worship and then Wednesday evening we did all that again. And so we, we were there in church a lot and so I was surrounded by music. But my first real instrument was when I was nine years old. I learned to play the recorder. Some of you have endured that already <laughs> in your homes it's, it's coming, but uh, let it happen. You never know where that will lead. So I learned to play the recorder. And that particular year, uh, the North Carolina Symphony came to our town and to our school auditorium and played a concert for us. And there was one piece that was designed just so that we could play our recorders along with them. I'm sure it was perfectly awful because the way we played and you know, no one was you know, together or what, but we played our hearts out with the North Carolina Symphony. Afterward, my teacher came by and was asking us, how, how was that experience for you? And I said, I loved it, but I want to do that. And I pointed to the conductor. And that's where it all began with me to be, uh, that was what I thought I was going to grow up to be, an orchestra conductor someday. And so I started on that trajectory. 
So as soon as I could, in sixth grade, I, I got into the band, uh, and I played trumpet. And, uh, and so I went through all the, and, and the thing in our little town was that uh, the students that, uh, that I went to kindergarten with were all the same students that were in band, and, and all of our blocks were together, so we had every class together. So they were, they were, we were a tight bunch, and probably a pretty rowdy one because of that. But we're going to fast forward a few years. Um, actually, let's go back for a second. At age seven is when I accepted Jesus to be my Savior. And I grew in the faith here in my home church, Heritage Baptist Church. Now we're going to fast forward to age 14 in 1976. I know you're doing the math. I'm 60. Um, and so <laughs> uh, my best friend from kindergarten, Randy Collins, invited me to go with him to hear our community's rendition of Handel's Messiah. I'd and it was going to be held in First Baptist Church. I'd never been to First Baptist Church. I'd never seen a grand piano or heard one in person. I'd never seen a pipe organ. We had a piano and organ at our church, but they weren't uh, those grand of instruments. And there was this huge choir made of, of people from all over our county who came together every fall to work on the choruses of Messiah. And they would ask some local um, school uh, choral teachers or whomever uh, to sing the solos. And so that was our, our thing. So I gathered there. And I was sitting there listening to the music, and I was, I was just in awe. It was unlike anything I had ever heard in my life. When all of a sudden, something caught the corner of my eye, and I looked, and it, it appeared to be like a little wisp of smoke. But it, and, and I was looking around, did, did anybody else see, see that? And no one seemed to be noticing that. But then it, 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 it kind of gathered together. It was not smoke. It was not a cloud. It was, it was something living. And I'm like really embarrassed now because it, it, it is now over the top of where my friend and I are sitting. And I'm like, my face is turning red because it does that often. But uh, I was like, is anybody else seeing this? And, and, and I was getting anxious. And so in order to calm my spirit, everyone else seemed to melt away for just a moment. And there I was. I felt very exposed and vulnerable. And the, the, the portals of heaven open up, and I was, I had God's presence all around me. There wasn't a voice or a light or, or any sparkles. Or it was just the presence was around me. I, sur I was surrounded by that very presence of God, and I knew that to be true because my soul recognized its creator and rejoiced. And in that moment, I just was frozen, and it felt like I was frozen in time for an eternity, and then just a, 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 a flash moment at the same time. And it wasn't a voice, but every fiber of my being burst forth with a knowledge that had been hidden away from ancient times. A knowledge that I always knew, but it was not revealed to me until this moment. And that knowledge was, this is what I want you to do. As I sat there th trying to, to make sense of all, of all of this, the only thing that could come to mind was a part of a scripture verse, and it was from Luke 4.18. It said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. And just as quickly as it came, 
it went. But I, that feeling was still with me. I knew this calling. But then I was faced with a dilemma. Because in the time and the place where I grew up, in those days, there were, there were no such things as worship pastors as a vocation. They hadn't been invented yet. Sure, there were music leaders in churches, but they were usually uh, either volunteer or, or part-time uh, a band director or a chorus teacher from the local schools that would come and do that. But not as a vocation, as a ministry. I didn't even know what to call it because I'd never seen one. I had no path forward to know that. But I knew what I knew was, was an actual uh, calling of God. So I went home and talked to my parents. Now, a little background on my parents. My mother and her sister grew up in the backwoods on the Peavy River in North Carolina because uh, their dad was a moonshiner. And so they did not, they were not uh, in the around public very much. My dad was uh, one of seven children uh, on a poor farm, but they, they toiled the soil to feed themselves because his dad, my grandfather, had tuberculosis and was away in what they called a sanatorium at that time. And so after dad got out of the Navy, Mom and dad worked in a factory for their livelihood. And they did the best of everything they could for us. They, they provided a real house in a real neighborhood. And that was more than they had ever experienced themselves. I'm very grateful for that. And so I go home to tell my parents. My mother has never been one to mince words. She cut right to the chase. She says, I hear what you're saying, but you're not holy. I gave birth to you. You are part of our family. We know you. How can you be called of God? You're not holy. I've never forgotten that, and I don't hold that as, as, uh, as an ill will because I know from where she was coming. And my dad was a little more pragmatic in his words. He said, how are you going to eat? How are you going to provide for your family? They had never seen whatever I was being called into either. And so there we were. Now, years down the way, they understood and they were, they were very proud and they were right along with us as we're saying. So I, but at this moment, I didn't know what to do, so I went to talk to my band director. And he's scratching his head, said, well, I, I guess you need to drop band and join chorus because they met at the exact same times, every level of every part of that music in our schools. You couldn't do both. And remember, all of my friends, all of my band friends were from kindergarten. This was my entire life. And I was being asked to give that up, to go into a, a, a group of people I'd never met. But I did. I followed what I was told to do. And he also said, you probably should take some piano lessons. Good, good words, very good words. So we sought to get piano lessons. We didn't own a piano, but the church did. So I walked two blocks down the street to the church, and that's where I practiced every day. Now, my parents' shifts were 7 to 3, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. They got home, they, and dinner was immediate. 
supper was later. <laughs> we had both <laughs> full meals today. I don't know how we did that. But anyway, so that was this what we did. We had dinner. as By 3.30, we were done. And so I would have finished my homework, and I would off to the to Hertz, and I would practice. And I practiced with a thirst for wanting this knowledge three to six hours a day. I had watched our pianist at church, and I watched our organist at church with just such uh, an amazement. Hands and feet at the same, I couldn't believe it. But after one year, at age 15, our pianist had moved away, and our organist had moved over to the piano, and my church hired me to be the organist and choir director at our church. And so I, I began to do that. And later they added the, the youth ministry with that. So what to do for education? I'm, uh, I'm now doing some things that I feel like I'm called to do, but I'm not sure how to go forward with it. I, was, uh, I applied for different colleges. I was accepted at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I was accepted at Morris Hill College up in the mountains of North Carolina, which is one of our Baptist schools. And I was still unsettled with that. And then someone told me, well, what about East Carolina University? And I looked, and they had a really big school of, church, uh, school of music, and they had a church music degree. I remember I said what my parents provided. They provided all they had, but they could not provide college. So I had to put myself through school, and so a state school was what I could afford. But the, the state school at East Carolina was where I was supposed to go. It was not a church school by any, any stretch of the imagination. Some of you know East Carolina University. But I was involved in a faith group there, the Baptist Union. I was involved in churches there as well. And so I went to East Carolina, and I majored in church music. Uh, while there, um, I worked at Emmanuel Baptist Church my freshman year. My big position was assistant director and accompanist for the youth choir. They had a lot of positions for college students, and so that's what I did. Knowing that I needed to do more than that after that first year, I went to Fam Fountain First Baptist Church, a little tobacco town, 17 miles outside campus. And there I was minister of music and youth for the next three years until I graduated from college. I still didn't know what trajectory I should take from that. after that point. I didn't know about seminary. Um, and so I was talking to my campus minister one day at the Baptist Student Union. And he said, well, have you ever considered seminary? I said, I, tell me more. And so he said, well, that's where pastors, that's where people go to become pastors, but now they're, they have degrees in other subjects such as music and, and, and all, kinds, you know, all kinds of things, music and missions. And so I, I began to research that, which was kind of difficult because computers hadn't been born yet that uh, people could use for that type of thing. But I found the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and that's where I applied and that's where I was accepted. Two weeks later, Green Acres Baptist Church called me as their church organist. And uh, it was the place to be. Thank you. Some of you knew that reference. <laughs> um, and later they added on organist and youth minister. That was an interesting combination. And then they added on organist, minister of youth, and minister of music. And so I felt like I was working full-time for a very, very part-time salary at that point. But I was in school full-time, but that was a very, very educational place for me. While there, um, I, I was at seminary for four and a half years. I took uh, two semesters to do other things. 
but related to the seminary. One semester I spent abroad teaching at the Baptist Theological Seminary in Hong Kong, China, for part of the seminary, and then for the bulk of the seminary, I was teaching in Seoul, Korea, all over uh, the country in churches um, with a team from the seminary. And then I took another uh, leave, not really from, it was part of seminary, but uh, it was a partnership in New York City for a semester to take classes at Juilliard uh, for a semester in opera literature and conducting and those kinds of things. And, um, but we were very missional. We did food pantries and clothes closet and, and all those kinds of things while we were there in the morning. And then the afternoon was all the classes. And at night, every night was either we were at the New York City Ballet, the Metropolitan Opera, um, concerts all over the city, and also on Broadway to, to experience all kinds of music and ways to use it. From there, when you graduate of seminary, you send your information to the placement office and they, they try to match you up. Um, and so with, with churches, and so uh, Virginia was not on my placement sheet, but somehow, um, and I didn't have anything against Virginia, it just, you know, I am from very close to Myrtle Beach, and this is very close to me. So, <laughs> so it was kind of a, a pragmatic kind of thing. And so um, I got a call from a church in Appomattox, Virginia, Liberty Baptist Church. And I felt, even in all of these calls to these different churches, um, I felt God's leading in them, in his urging, in his opening a door. Uh, and so I, I felt called there, and I went there. Um, and that's where I was serving. And then shortly after I was there, the missionaries I had worked with in South Korea called to say, we have written a youth musical, a Christian youth musical, um, that we would like to present in all over South Korea. Um, would you bring your youth choir? The thing is, it's in Korean. I said, sure. <laughs> um, and so we learned the first Christian youth musical to be presented in that country in Korean. It took us nine months to learn and memorize the sounds and the expressions. And so we went there, and for 18 days, we, we sang in every church possible, in every location possible, praying the good news of Jesus through music and in this way. I just come back from there, and we created the Appomattox Oratorio Chorus in Appomattox in the county there and the Central Virginia Orchestra. We were doing large works like Messiah and Brahms Requiem and Rudder Gloria and things like that. And so I, was, I felt like I'd, I was where I am supposed to be. When along comes this letter from the Virginia Baptist State Office that said, we are interested in your resume. Would you send it? They didn't say to whom or where or whatever, just send a blind resume to the state office and they'll take it from there. I'm like, I am fine where I am. I'm doing, there's great things happening here. So I just pushed that to the side of my desk. For some reason, I didn't throw it away, but it was on the corner of my desk and it kept finding its way to right in front of my vision. And so finally I said, well, okay, maybe God's trying to tell me something. He's never spoke to me in this way, but let's try it. And so I filled it out and I sent it in. And it was several weeks later on Halloween night, I'll never forget, the pastor f from this church uh, called me and said, we're that church that uh, have asked for, has asked for your resume. And so he said, would you meet me 
in November at the state convention. Meet me, we'll meet in one of the prayer rooms there on this certain day and time. And I said, sure. And I still wasn't sure that I was going anywhere. I just was going through the exercise because they had pursued, and I thought, okay, let's see what, what this is all about. So we walked into the prayer room, and that the pastor sat down, and I sat down, and it was just like my calling at age 14. The portal of heaven opened to me, and I sat still. The pastor was talking, but I didn't hear what was being said. I sat still, and I heard not in an audible voice, but once again, a knowledge more ancient than days said, I need you to go here. But this time, I'm calling you to this people, not to this position. Now, earlier this year, I wrote a devotion uh, that was published in a daily devotion book, and I'm going to read a portion of that that fleshes that out just a bit. This time, however, God's call was not to a position, but to a people, the people of this church. His calling may have always been that way, but I may not have perceived it as such until then. How different could this be, this calling to a people, not to a position? Thirty years later, and still in the same church, I may have an answer. When God called me to this people, I was to minister to and through them, to become a part of this family, to walk with them in all phases of life. It was to help nurture their children in ways in the ways of Christ, and then to help nurture their children's children in the ways of Christ. My, my position has grown and morphed throughout the de- decades to meet the needs of the people for such a time as this. The benefits of a ministry with a long tenure have proven amazing. I've been able to lead children in choir to understand the truth of God in worship. I've had the opportunity to help them understand Jesus' calling and their salvation. I've had the opportunity to baptize them, to spend late nights talking about all the big questions of life, to send them off to college, to perform their weddings, to help dedicate their children, and to weep with them as they mourn for loved ones. If God had called me to a position, statistically, I would have likely changed churches several times in these 30 years. I may have gone to a bigger church, or I may have sought one with a larger salary or possibly to a church with more resources or maybe even one, uh, likely one, which was so widely known that it made my name famous. But that's not what God had called me to. His ways were much higher. A great mentor of mine, Alan Brown, who was a retired state uh, Virginia Baptist uh, music director, said to me, to be successful in music ministry, you have to love people more than you love music. Wow. My prayer for us today is that we bloom where we are planted and let God show us miraculous things over his time. This is life. This is family. This is God's calling to a people. Here are these selected passages from Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, 
and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This is my story. This is my song. What you have heard may have sparked a memory or a thought or a reality in your own life. And maybe, like me, you have never really shared that with anyone. Because it comes from the most intimate and vulnerable place inside each of us. And maybe you couldn't explain what it is in human terms. I struggled with that. I believe God calls each of us for different tasks and in different ways throughout our lives. Each of us. What is your calling? What is your story? And what is your song? Are you blooming where you are planted? I'm going to ask you to come and share with our pastor as we sing number 334, Blessed Assurance. Would you stand, please? <laughs> 